Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Congratulations, you've unlocked some Gorilla Radio. I am a crypto keeper, Steve Strange. I will break down a digital asset called cryptocurrency. But you'll be rolling into central land. I got no time for glitches. I just need to buy land. They are chasing my bosses. What somebody be telling? But I don't give much. Cause I ain't selling. My NFT is not another number. I put a price, so don't place a bit what is under. The banks wanna see us there. If a bull price is on ahead, but still I have mana on my ledge. So when you bled, in 2017, something amazing happened. The crypto market made a parabolic move. It made a climb in value taking Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all altcoins to new highs. It gave the coin market the respect it deserves. It also brought on many more investors into the space. But investments into what? Today marks a um, bit of a milestone on two fronts. One being we have entered a new space here at Rogue Studios. Really, really awesome stuff happening. And um, we look forward to many more amazing events and podcasts coming your way with this amazing new space. And I hope one day you'll be able to check it out here very soon. Another milestone is the coin market made it up to $1.2 trillion. This is pretty significant, even though uh, Bitcoin has hit this level before it made it to the uh, $40,000 range yet again, claiming um, a little bit more dominance. Crypto has been in headlines from overcrowding names from hedge firms and investment firms only, meaning the particular type of interests that have been swarming in to this crypto space are all speculative and investment types. Nothing truly, um, like, nothing truly that, like, main, main adoption type of way, like, as far as inter enterprise and um, major milestones within uh, actual industrial um, sectors and businesses. It's not in that utility yet. Two national bank charters, however, have also um, made their way into this space, one called Anchorage, one called Protego. This uh, received very little attention and very little uh, headlines, even though they're very significant to the um, national banking structure on how a lot of institutions are going to operate here in this country. One being um, 
visa, in fact, making it much more uh, accessible to you in obtaining cryptos. So where there was some difficulty in trying to purchase uh, cryptocurrency not too long ago by some credit card companies, Visa is making it very, making a very proactive choice and making it accessible as, as much to you. But then, you know, getting into crypto, you have to uh, know what you're actually going to be buying. So that brings me back to the speculation that, of course, what once took place in 2017, we're seeing play out again. It was all speculation. It was all volatile trading for the sake of gaining funding. It was investing into certain projects of this incoming innovation. Something similar happened when the internet came online, the dot-com bubble. This was a stock market bubble caused by excessive speculation of internet-related companies. It was a period of massive growth in the use and adoption of the internet. So I'm going to be making a comparison here of what we're seeing take place in the crypto space and what we saw take place during the dot-com bubble. This excessive speculation would surely meet its fate in the late 90s to early 2000s time frame. Now, the actual bubble took place from 1998 to 2000, and the bubble burst was from March 2000 to October of 2002. That led to... I mean, a great many of things. You have to understand the, the cause and effect here. So when the internet came online, it was a whole new playing field of opportunities and very, a very large group of startup companies coming on to provide you a service with a particular company using the, the online advantage. But... You had to have a very good business model, marketing, uh, researching, investing. It was a speculative time indeed, but the space began to be overrun with a lot of companies that weren't quite set properly. So that dealt with a huge influx of companies into the dot-com space that weren't as solid as they should have been. So, of course, that had to pop at some point. But I'd like to <clears throat> provide a little bit of background, a little bit of background to help you understand in order to know where we're going, you, you have to understand where basically some of this has come from. In 1933, the Glass-Steagall Act effectively separated commercial banking, which provides financial services to the general public, businesses ensuring economic, social stability, sustainable growth. And they kept it from the investment bankers, 
and investment banking, which is a special segment of an operation to that helped individuals or organizations raise capital or provide consultancy. And it also created the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. So what I'm saying is the Glass-Steagall Act separated Wall Street from Main Street. However, it was the administration of the 90s that repealed this act with both guilty parties of the government involved claiming the banking sector was unhealthy and needed to be allowed to diversify, which would reduce risk. You know, because gambling, I mean speculating with the people's money was a good idea. So that led to that dot-com bubble burst in the early 2000s. So then, of course, Wall Street needed demand for its aggregated models or collection of data needed to rebound. They needed to rebound from this demise. Bring on Google. Bring on Facebook. Bring on the paperless toilet. Okay, maybe not that last one, but you get the idea. Bluetooth, HDTV, satellite connectivity, Improved cell phones, these were all breakthroughs that began the interconnectivity. This tech was the very rebound the stock market used to gain confidence. In 2017, the coin market showed the very same pattern. Very high speculation with little or nothing to show or give until it topped out with an all-time high across the board. And this was for all the the coins and tokens. That was years ago now. And this technology happens fast once it's built. Now we have reached new high levels of price in both the stock market and the coin market. However, one of these markets is disingenuous, insincere, calculating, and deceitful. There are two scenarios by which to base this on. One is payment and one is settlement. One of these markets operates on the payment system, which has a particular lag time. You go shopping, you pay with a card, it's approved. Yet there is a wait on that bill pending with variables that the bill could still go unpaid. And those of you that believe in the cash side of things, well, I would say just wait a second on that. The other market operates on settlement. You go, you pay, and the transition is instantly settled. Funds are moved from one wallet to the other. No promise to pay or pending transaction waiting for the bank to open. I think you know where I'm going with this. This is the internet of value. The settlement is referring to the coin market. This is referring to a new level of currencies that can perform special functions as well as opposed to cash. 
So going back to the cash thing, for those that think paper cash is king, can it gain 10% interest? Can it create an NFT which can provide royalties upon multiple sales? Can it interoperate with your favorite video game? Can it safeguard the rest of your funds into a secure location instantly? Or better yet, and this being the most important, will your paper cash gain in value due to a limited supply, sometimes with a burning mechanism? Now let me explain this burning mechanism. In crypto, in these digital currencies, some of them have the function that once used in a transaction, a certain fee is paid with it, and that fee is burned off or destroyed. Which means whatever the supply of that particular crypto that you may be using, well, it has the uh, potential of eventually decreasing in its supply, thereby contributing to the supply and demand factor, which also contributes to the value. I think this is a very unique function within the crypto space. When you spend a certain type of currency and a very small, and I mean very small portion of that currency is burned away or destroyed. Still, if you think about it, that too is as innovative as it is valuable. Moreover, does paper cash assess risk, provide an invoice, or give allowance to decisions in software? These are all examples of crypto, the digital asset, in the coin market. These are smart contracts. This is programmable money. Now returning to the stock market, you know, the place that social security, pensions, and the majority of the population's savings are in? Ask yourself, how is it that the NASDAQ, S&P, or Wall Street 30 are reaching new highs amidst the campaigning of a virus, lockdowns, restrictions, loss of employment, and the pushing for quote-unquote stimulus? The stimulus is an example of crediting the markets with unnatural intervention. And this falls on the Federal Reserve's central banks and their puppets, the government elected officials that enable constant money printing. This brings to mind the analogy of the firefighter also being the arson. But I digress. Now, amongst the craziness that we saw with the stock market and related to my previous episode on things that took place in that corrupt space, why in the world of finance would you invest in GameStop and AMC the two examples synonymous with what happened to Blockbuster. 
If you don't know, many Hollywood studios are focusing on streaming. One of the reasons certain movies set a new release date is to renegotiate actors' contracts that were tied to the box office. Now, I realize this may be a lot to process, and I will make my point here. There are two markets to participate in. One that has been built on sand, the stock market. And the other, which is bringing in more accurate and sound participation for the people. Those of you that have been in this space have been trying really hard to hodl all this time, waiting for the investments in crypto to show those gains. That's what we're seeing take place at this point, at this moment in time, very early in 2021. However, we are still in the first quarter. And what that means is this is still very early yet. Because typically what happens in the first quarter of the year is a time to step back, to reassess budgeting, to view the playing field, to make certain portions of sales and determine where to reallocate and re-strategize your portfolio, your direction, your investments. That's what the first quarter is about. So what I'm saying is this is still early space and this is also still very early in the year. And around this time, it is a great opportunity to prepare yourselves to enter and begin this investment. Those of you not in yet must understand there are cycles and price fluctuations, at least according to the data that we have with crypto as of yet. There are fundamentals to keep in mind. There are all-time highs, but there are also all-time lows. And you have to consider the use cases for many of these coins and tokens. One side, they're just a currency. And the other, they're smart contracts. The smart contracts is a term used to describe many different functions, very similar to the examples I gave just a minute ago about the programmable money, the capabilities, the advantages. And for all of you in this potential investor space, other fundamentals to keep in mind are other platforms such as the CME Futures, which stands for Chicago Mercantile Exchange this is one of these large-scale exchange trading platforms for all the people that love to speculate, that love to bet for and against, long and short. It's a ridiculous system to me, and it's very manipulative. And it's also one of the reasons that brought down the Bitcoin price so low back in 2018. And interesting enough, the Ethereum is now about to join that 
particular type of platform, it's going to jump right in hand in hand with Bitcoin futures contracts, which means people will be betting for and against Bitcoin, similar to what we saw take place with the whole Robinhood fiasco. And that price will go up and it will go down. And the terrible thing about that is they're merely speculating on the price. And when they cash out, they only cash out in just cash. And in that effort, they don't actually own the actual crypto. To me, that is somewhat disturbing. I mean, the point of owning crypto is for the capability, for the hedge, for the use case. It is the new currency, not just Bitcoin. I'm talking Ethereum and all altcoins. I'm talking the actual use case of where this market and society is going. So to me, I think it more, I think it to be much more uh, comprehensible or much more definitive to actually own, to actually own the currency rather than speculate on it. But this is a market. This is what people enjoy. The other interesting fundamental in this is something called the, um, the um, treasury, the interest on the treasury notes. So also what's taking place during this first quarter and what usually does take place is the interest on treasuries begin to climb and they get a little bit higher and higher each time, each day. And when that happens, the stock market usually tends to come down. Interestingly enough as well, we're not actually seeing that. So somebody somewhere, they're playing funny games. Another fundamental to keep an eye on is the volume index. If you can find some of these things, you'll see what I'm talking about if you can track some of its history to current. When the volume index is pretty high, then there's a lot of money flow and money being moved around. When the volume index is low, well then everybody's pretty stagnant and just playing the part of observing. And another interesting fundamental is something called the Bitcoin dominance. This is a chart and this is a level that most crypto enthusiasts like to keep an eye on because Bitcoin Bitcoin has more than um, half the, the market of the crypto space. It, it usually resides around 60% of the crypto space and it holds a lot of dominancy overall in the value of the market. And usually when Bitcoin goes up, the other altcoins can fall a little. And then vice versa, if the Bitcoin dominance goes down, at least close to 50%, then a lot of the altcoins can raise in value. And again, that's the ebb and flow of money pouring from one side into the other, usually. People making buys or sales from one to the other. These are, <clears throat> excuse me, these are the typical fundamentals that you will see in the market.
And I usually cringe at the thought of someone being very active in stocks. And that reason being is for many of the details that I've just explained to you. And I feel like I may have gone through that pretty quickly, but I summarized that in a nutshell on what has taken place, who's been involved, and why it is. It should be as simple as just owning an investment and having this natural consistency to the market. And, well, I'm still waiting to see that. And what I'm also waiting on is to see stocks tokenized. So what bothers me about stocks is it's still so tied to the traditional market and knowing how funny that money really is. That doesn't sit well with me. But there is a transition to be made, and it is. It's happening some way or other. Trillions of dollars are going to need to be moved over. And this may be somewhat problematic, but hopefully not. And I hate to think that it actually, we're in the range of the quadrillion dollar market that will need to be moved over. But what I'm saying is, as stocks are tied to the market in its traditional legacy form, which is tied to ultimately paper fiats and the old currency of ways. To me, everything in that space is meaningless. Unless they find its way over onto the blockchain, unless these stocks can become tokenized, it seems, uh, actually it feels a lot like the Titanic. And we know how that story ends. So, I ask that you learn the new financial system. I've summarized two, well, a very few points and keep in mind on certain things that take place within this existing financial system and how it may transition over to the new financial system. And even though there are tons of coins out there, there's no reason to be discouraged because also, the point I made when the dot-com bubble burst during that time, and when the stock market made its recovery, it mated with those innovations of Google and Facebook and other varied pieces of technology, the ones that make sense on where we're headed. So, in that light, I will give you this time This will probably be my shortest episode yet. And take this extra time to continue to look into the coin market and various altcoins. Study a little. See what they're about. Find that description. See who's behind it. What is the team like? You can find some of their resumes. What kind of experience do they have? What, and most importantly, especially, what use case do they have? Have they been brought about to really solve a problem? Because there are a lot of problems with our existing financial market. I like to use CoinGecko 
CoinGecko.com is one of my favorite go-tos to look over and find a lot of the coins, a lot of the specs, the specifications, the price, where it's been the last week, month, what the supply on it is. And then it has a lot of links to their actual website that you can go and look into further. They also have a list of different exchanges on where you can find some of these coins. Some of them are accessible, and some are not. Um, but don't be discouraged by that. They're still, like I said, they're still building this whole system, and there will be a much easier way to get to them. And so with that, I would say good luck on your journey. Don't be afraid to reach out. Send me a message. Send someone a message. Keep the conversation going and catch up on crypto. Thank you to everyone so far who's been listening and catching up with me. I hope you found this information um, knowledgeable or valuable. I try to provide that because I don't agree when someone says that the crypto is not any good only to hide the fact that they were getting and accumulating and investing in crypto all along. And believe me, that has taken place a lot more than you think. So keep up that conversation and um, reach out to someone and find out more about these things because the world is moving pretty fast and it's important to keep up with it. And a real quick shout out, big thanks to Mike. He's been working really hard in getting this new space in. We're going we're gonna to make some things happen. This is going to be the year for you. Let's keep it up. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more disruption. This is One Nation Under God and Crypto for All. Network Podcast.